Hey guys, how you doing? Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel, where we talk about everything and anything related to cannabis and hemp in America. Well, today, my guests say are retired NFL football players who founded a forward-thinking company dedicated to the achievement of and the advancement of cannabis as a form of elevated wellness, believing that the plant holds incredible potential as a healing agent. Their vision is to positively impact the global cannabis industry changing stigmas and stereotypes by highlighting the healing power of the plant and producing products that help people and athletes optimize their wellness through holistic relief. Currently, they have operations in Michigan and Massachusetts. Calvin Johnson and Gosder Shareless, thank you so much and welcome to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Great to be here. Absolutely, my friends. Thank you both for being here. Look, before we dig deep into the cannabis conversation, why don't you tell me a little bit about you know, your background, both of your backgrounds? So let's let's start with uh, you, Calvin. Yeah, uh, I guess as it pertains to cannabis, you know, after we retired, you know, guys are trying to figure out what's next. You know, let's go. Let's go back even before that. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Grew, I, I was born and raised uh, in, in Georgia. Grew up in College Park and in Tyrone, Georgia. Um, Georgia. That's yeah. That's incredible. I will not want to cut you off, but Georgia, you know, I just, well, I'm about to actually launch products in Georgia right now. Georgia, you know, did pass a medical cannabis law and, um, you know, there are a couple of licenses already given out and uh, I'm working with botanical sciences and I was just down there last week opening or helping them open their first of a few dispensaries down there, but we'll get into that in a little bit because they also have a model down there in Georgia that I think will be a model that may be replicated around the country because they are also going to be distributing the, through independent pharmacists. So not only can you have a dispensary, but you can also actually put your product in licensed independent pharmacies and actually be able to sell your product right out of there. But okay, so let's go on. So tell me a little bit about Georgia. You grew up in Georgia, went to high school there, right? Yeah, yeah, I got my mom, dad, um, God willing, is still here. Um, you know, um, they're, they're they're doing well. They're healthy. Um, I got an older sister. I have a younger brother and a little sister. So it's four of us. Uh, all of my siblings, you know, they're doing well. My older sister, my little brother, they're doctors. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I got my own family now. I have my beautiful wife, Brittany. I have a um, uh, my oldest son, nine year old Caleb. Uh, I have a four year old uh, Calvin. And Calvin third, and then I have a baby uh, Carter that's two years old. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I went to Georgia Tech. Going back to Georgia, uh, you know, got to spend all of my uh, at least up until adulthood in Georgia. And from there, I, I was drafted uh, after spending uh, three years. I left Georgia Tech early, and I, I was drafted and went to Detroit. And I've been in Detroit uh, ever since I was uh, ever since two thousand and seven. I grew up in Massachusetts in uh, Somerville, Mass. Uh, my parents were Haitian. Um, growing up, cannabis was not a big conversation in our family. It was front upon, like most um, uh, church-going families. Uh, my mother has two of us. My father has um, many more. <laughs> but uh grew up here, went to Somerville High, from Somerville High, played football. Was um, good enough to somewhat get a scholarship to go to Boston College. 
from BC, where uh, did well enough to get drafted by Detroit, where Calvin and I met. Um, you know, and that's how we all got here today. And from here, um, you know, he's one of my better friends in the league. And so many times you build so many guys, but you don't keep all the relationships. And I'm glad he's one. You know, as we keep talking, hey, you get to know us a little bit what we do, and um, our whole introduction to this thing. But overall, that's a little bit of my introduction. Cool. Well, you know, it's very interesting that so you guys knew each other in the league. Were you, and you know, if you feel like explaining, were you cannabis users in the league while you were playing? Yes, sir. And you know, I did, and I, I know that the league has a pretty robust um, protocol where they are testing and stuff. But I guess you clearly got got by that a lot, huh? It, uh, it was guys know the, guys know the routine. <laughs> Go ahead, G. Yeah. No, but I would say I was not a big cannabis user in the league. I barely used any of it in college. I was one of those guys who, who was always trying to do it all the right way. And um, growing up with all parents and everything, I, I I was just not big on it. But um, it kind of started for me, I would say, back in uh, 2015, 2014, even though I would do it here and there. But the moment I get a little too close to it, I get away because it's one of these things I kind of, Hurt the stigmas in a way, what it kind of does to you. And I was so focused on my games, what I wanted to do at the time. So I didn't spend much time really doing it unless I was around a lot of friends. And Calvin would laugh because I would say that there are a lot of things about the play that I didn't even try to teach myself. I would only learn it in the presence of other people because I just like, I've never wanted to do it by myself. I didn't want to teach myself how to roll. I didn't want to do certain things. I'm like, I don't want to do it alone. I just, you know, if we're all out, we're doing it. I have one, you know, I, you know, I share with the guys. But I would say back in 2015, um, I played a whole season with a torn impingement. And um, I would say January 31st, I went and got a hip impingement surgery and came back to February uh, 15th. Two weeks later, I had a knee surgery on the same leg. Because, you know, Nadell, you have to be ready eight months into the league uh, to get ready for training camp. So within two weeks, I had two surgeries. And just my luck, the knee, the doctor put a small hole in the bone. So it was bleeding on the inside. It was one of the most painful things I was dealing with. At the time, I had my cousin who was staying with me. They gave me Benadryl and Percocet. And I'm allergic to Percocet. I couldn't really do any of it. And I was under a lot of pain. And he was just sitting there snowing next to me, two, three in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And make long story short, I remember about two nights into it, I'm like, you know what, let me do, let me try something. He was trying, so he rolled me uh, a blunt, and I smoked it. I fell asleep for four hours. And the next day, I said, you know what, I'm gonna, you, you have to roll me two of them. So the moment I wake up, I'm going to try it again, see if I can fall right back asleep. <laughs> uh, for sure. He did. Worked. And, um, you know. No, I'm sorry. Brad, but did, did, did you notice that, did it, after you got through the pain relief initially, when you started playing again, did it enhance your play? Did it, did it affect your play in a negative way? And I only ask that question, I'm going to ask them to both of you. You know, let's talk a little bit about your time in the league playing football, because I've spoken to a few guys that have played ball, and they say that, you know, the first line of, uh, of offense in helping you guys when you're injured is that the team doctor will just prescribe you any opioid they got. They just keep pumping them into you. Right. But I'm sure that you, you know, after taking some opioids on Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning, 
you know, Monday morning when you go out there to get out there on that field, you're a little slow and sluggish. Did you feel the same way when you use cannabis? Because for me, you know, like I tell you something, I, I'm a snowboarder. I'm, I'm older than both of you guys, but there you go. There you go. Yes, sir. Right. I, I love snowboarding. I've, I've snowboarded all over the world, my friend. You know, right. Italy, to Italy to Canada to all over the United States, I've snowboarded. Right. And I will tell you, I won't get on my board without making sure that I have, I'm very well medicated. I got to, because it just, it, on the days, the days that I didn't medicate, I'm telling you, I was going to fall. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I was going to fall because I'm so paranoid. You know, you're going down a hill, you're looking at it, watching out for other riders. But the day when you smoke, it's like, what's up? Come on, man. You can't get me, right? So I don't know. Is it the same kind of feeling uh, uh, playing football? Um, I never, I guess, I never partook. I, well, I can't say I never did. There were some games, there were a couple games later in my career where I was just like, hey, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this game. Bump it. You know, I'm, I'm going to light this thing up for the game. But it was very, it's only like several occasions when I was really feeling like that. But I usually didn't smoke before the game because for me, I, I was running so much. I just felt like that would affect my win. You know, yeah. but during the week or after the game or after practice, it's one thing I want from for me. I didn't really get the science of it until after uh, I was done playing. But while I was playing, it's one thing that helped me help with my recovery because I could sleep, like guys had said uh, earlier, and it helped mitigate some of the pain. Um, I mean, now I use it for for its anti-inflammatory uh, properties more than anything. But that's only because I learned the science behind it now. But you know, while we we're playing, you know, being, being a good quality and nice sleep was everything. Yep. How about you guys? Huh? Uh. I can't when no, no, not for me. I was somewhat a student of it and know what I know today. It probably could have been a little bit different, but I was so focused, so zoned in into my craft in a way. And at that time with the stigmas and with respect to the game and some of my peers, we were we we were as far as our knowledge of um, off the plant. I couldn't stay away from at least like two to three days before the game as far as like, you know, keep my system clean. Just like Calvin said, we run a lot too. At the end, we want to keep our lungs fresh. Uh, but we we tried as uh, much as we could to stay away from it uh, close to the game. So to a lot of it, it's because we didn't know. But it's funny you said that though. We today's world, with our knowledge of it, and um, as we keep growing, you know, we keep growing into it. These are some of the things that I get to learn from this man. We uh we took a couple of trips to Utah to go skiing, and uh you know myself being myself, I woke up just getting my stuff ready and getting ready to go. But he had about like two or three forms of it from the CBD cream that we have, and uh, we we had the liquid IV, you know, for the high altitude. So um the more we know of it, just like yourself, uh, the, you know, the more we know the science of it, like the closer. A little bit closer we get to it, but back then we just said no enough. It's not that we didn't want to, we just said no enough. Sure, you know, and I mean, I, I think it's really very interesting because there's it's kind of almost counterintuitive. People would think that you know something that gives you a euphoria would affect your game in a deleterious way, but now we know for a fact that it probably does not. It probably will enhance your game. Um, it will enhance you because number one, your anti-inflammatory effects, all those physical effects take place, but then also it kind of gives you that separate perspective creativity in your brain that might have made you make a move differently than you would have made a move, but it's good. I mean, you guys had incredible careers. Calvin, you were just inducted in the Hall of Fame, were you not? Yes, sir. 21. 
Congratulations, my friend. And you still hold a record right now today, do you not? I'm, I'm hanging on to it by thread. <laughs> 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 what is it? What is the record? Uh, it's like nine. Uh, 1,964 yards in the season. Go ahead with your bad self, sir. It's going to be a while <laughs> before I get broken. Maybe not this year, maybe the next year, but still, you had it. I, I, I'm at it, man. Montel, one thing you mentioned earlier, man, you mentioned about, you know, the opioids and how they were being abused. When when we were young in our career, that was the case. That was before the opioid, uh, you know, epidemic kind of took place. And, you know, we are where we are now with our knowledge about how it's killing our bodies. But I mean, as you said earlier, those things they're readily available. Just put it like that. If we want to have, you know, and you know, but we saw a better way. We wanted to put natural things into our body. Well, you know, and, and I'm not I'm not asking you questions because I want you to disparage the league in any way, shape, oh, or yeah, form. No. I'm not asking, but I but I am yeah. gonna ask you this. It's like, you know, how dare they want to put something in you that is so caustic and honestly, in some ways, career ending rather than allow you to do something that's career enhancing. Um, now, what's what's the attitude about it these days? Have they kind of just uh, don't ask, don't tell, or just says, I don't want to hear about it, or what do they do? Because there's so many different forms. You don't have to sit down and roll a blunt. A blunt. I mean, heck, I could see, you know, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed being on a mountain back before there was, you know, the proliferation of a lot of different kinds of edibles, man. Dude, I'm telling you something. Six years ago, I used to get on, seven years ago, get on a mountain, I would definitely break off a half a candy bar for the first half of the day and a half a candy bar for the second half of the day. There ain't no question. Yes, sir. You got to be right when you're on that mountain, man. You got to be. I don't ever, like you said, I, I never go up on that mountain and not, not be in a good space. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, because people, people, people don't get it. I mean, if we go back to even the last century, you know, people like Albert Einstein every now and then enjoyed a little cannabis. A lot of people don't know how many people who were as creative as they were were created because the cannabis enhanced their creativity. And if it enhances your creativity intellectually, you know, and there ain't no question why the Olympics stopped testing all of the snowboarders because none of them would have qualified if they had tested them all. But you know for a fact, hell, you're going to jump off a mountain, jump up in the air, spin around three, uh, six times, flip up and down two times and land on your Really? I'm going to do that without doing what? Too many ambitions. Uh-huh. 100%. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you got to think about how do these guys come up with some of these moves and these process, these thoughts. They're not doing that straight. You know, some of them may be, but those who do don't finish on that that top three tiered stand, I don't think. You got to have a level of creativity there. And I 100% cannabis does. It does boost your creativity. I love, I love to draw. I love to create. Um, you know, I create my own tattoos, all my uh, my logos, you know, and it's spurred from that. I'm not going to say that I I, I got to smoke to be creative, but it, it does assist, you know, and, I, and then the good thing I love to do is just write stuff down. You know, those thoughts that come up, you know, when, you, when you're sitting there, you know, because if you don't, you know, you might, you, there's some good thoughts that, there's some good, like you said, some good creative uh, thoughts that are, that, that are spun up when you're in a, you're in a, in that good uh, headspace. So here you guys going through your career and getting ready to come to and get ready to step away from football. Who called who and said, hey, you know what? We ought to get into this cannabis space. How did that happen? Um, I finished playing before G. I finished playing before G. I got into the uh, space in California in a minor capacity. And, you know, I saw how that was. But I wanted to have a, a present role in the company. Um, and it just fortunately, um, 
the opportunity came in Michigan uh, where, the, where the industry came online and it was a 2018, 2019. And, you know, we were in the uh, real estate market at the time. We we're just, you know, doing our thing in Detroit and real estate because the market was, uh, was, was rapidly growing. And um, we happened to get property in quote unquote green zones. And with the idea that, hey, we could be a landlord of a profitable company or, or be a landlord of a tenant that's profitable and just, you know, make our check or, you know, we could we could start a team. We know what a good and bad team looks like. You know, we went on 16 and we had some success in Detroit, you know, so we felt like we knew what a bad team, good and bad team looked like. And we proceeded to do the latter and, and put together a team. And, you know, now we're uh, 50 to 60 team members deep and. We have a store in in, in, in Michigan and in, in Allen and God's itself in Boston. Well, who came up with the name Primitive? You you mentioned um, you know Albert Einstein and folks like that uh, using cannabis, but it's it's a simple thought that cannabis has been used for millennia by people. Um, so by nature and by definition, it is primitive. Five thousand years worth of primitive, my friend, and it's been covered in every cornucopia. Uh, or or of pharmacology since the dawn of man. It's written about everywhere around the world. People don't understand that, you know, this cannabis thing was not a, a, a North American thing to begin with. Cannabis is found all over the planet, Africa, South America, Golden Triangle, China. Matter of fact, uh, recently I, I, I was, I was mind blown. I thought I've literally walked around thinking to myself that, I was probably one of the more knowledgeable people of the space um, for years and then just read some material about uh, three or four weeks ago that blew my brain apart. Did you, and I'll throw one to you, did you know that one of the biggest distributors of cannabis, of hemp in the 1800s, early 1900s was Russia? I Nobody, Russia led the charge internationally. They grew it distributed it. Why? Because Russia understood the commercial viability of hemp as a plant that could be used for so many different materials from ropes to sails and you name it. So the Russians, this is even back and people don't even understand that Napoleon, you know, you heard of Napoleon Bonaparte, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Well, you know, the, the, the war that was fought between Russia and France was really fought over hemp, was fought over cannabis. People don't know that. People think they were just trying to get more land. Hell no. They were trying to shut down uh, the Great Britain from being able to allow the United States to distribute cannabis internationally. So there's so much behind cannabis. A lot of people, you would talk a little bit more about history. I mean, you know, people don't know that the only thing that the North and South had in common was the fact that all their uniforms were, or most of their uniforms were made out of hemp. The entire revolutionary army the entire revolutionary army of the United States back in, you know, 1775 made out of hemp. If you were, if you were, if you were a farmer in America back at the beginning, the turn of the century in 1700s, you could pay your taxes with hemp. So there's, there's so much behind this. You're right. I mean, I think it's one of the things that, that people have such a derogatory outlook on it is because of the campaign that was built in the early 30s and the mid 30s and you know early 40s here in the United States to vilify cannabis. And they tried to vilify it by throwing on the backs of dark skinned brown and black people, you know, and 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 make it out to be something bad. But most people don't even recognize that, you know, uh, a lot of the slave owners, a lot of the masses. Man, that's that's white, that's huh? I 
I don't mean to cut you, but while you're no. on that topic, I had this thoughts and it's um if you understand what some of the biggest competitors to have, it's coffee. Yeah, well, you know, which, but in, yes, yes, absolutely, which takes on a lot of it, and a lot of it's down south. And what people don't know is down south, Kentucky was one of the biggest providers of cannabis in the United States for years. As a matter of fact, the biggest uh, marijuana bus for, for marijuana in the United States came in Kentucky, not in California, not in Oregon, in Kentucky back in the 50s. They had something back there called the Cornbread Mafia that literally, you know, when we, we were talking about the 60s and the 70s, this Mexican weed coming to the United States, that wasn't Mexican. That was weed coming it. from, huh? That's it. That, that weed you say, I saw that thing. I think it was, um, it's funny you brought that up. I saw that somewhere. I think um, when they were talking about the uh, biggest hemp in Matt one down south, at that time, to a lot of it, it's either you grow hemp or you grow cotton. But a lot of it, cotton was a lot safer to the community, to the state. You know, those who didn't want to grow, they started pushing shit to a lot of farmers. They started growing the car. It's funny you brought up the whole um, Mexican companies. Um, it's our understanding when you, uh, to a lot of folks down south, Mexicans were the one that could have brought the name uh, marijuana. And to a lot of it, they weren't just, uh, uh, you know, using it, but they were working over there. And they were using all type of marijuana as leverage to somewhat get them through the day. You know, marijuana to go to work, marijuana to go to sleep. Marijuana for pain, marijuana for this. And you have all these folks from down south who are working and talking, crying about pay. You know, it's like, I can't believe you guys are not doing this. I can't believe it's like, hey, it's not that we don't know. But it was from home. We weren't allowed to use it. No, you and I, we definitely on the same page here. That's yeah, when you go, right go, go, go back even before them, we got to remember Thomas Jefferson, all of our forefathers grew hemp. All of them. Yeah. Washington, Thomas Jefferson, yeah. Benjamin Franklin, all of them grew hemp and smoked it. There's no question that they did that. So, you know, for us to, to, to rewrite history and, you know, it, it, the vilification didn't just come from the cotton industry. It came from the paper and the textile industry. William Randolph Hearst, Charles DuPont funded a lot of the work that Anslinger did in the 30s, which is really crazy. So a lot of people don't understand a guy who was like our lead prohibitionist on alcohol. He was in favor of cannabis while he was out here talking about the, the devil liquor, okay? He was saying to people that, you know, you should use marijuana instead because it won't make you as violent. And then as soon as he lost his job, he went and got a new job, making sure that they put up a program saying that it's because of them black and brown people. It wasn't because of black and brown people, it was because of George Washington. You know, let's tell a little bit of the truth, right? So yeah. But look, look what we're talking about, right? Look what can be the biggest competitor to. You're talking about pharmaceutical company. You're talking about the car company. You know, alcohol company. All the, you know, at that point, poor cannabis. They'll never be able to withstand that type of power. When you talk about America with the election and how you do things, so no, you we we totally understand why you know the stigmas, why people view cannabis the way they do. But as we keep learning, we keep doing our homework. Um, we fully understand it's not what they make it seem to be. And I, I'll share a small story with you. Um, back in 2013, I blew my knee out. You know, I had a friend of mine who flew to South Africa to see his doctor. Yep. And he came back about six months later with a broken arm ready uh, for training camp. The very next um, off season, I said, I'm going to go to South Africa and see the same doctor. 
But when I got to this guy's uh, facility, he had folks from all over the world coming for all types of um, herbal treatments. And to a lot of it, cannabis was a big part of it. And I was there for about six weeks. For what he wanted to do, the amount of drugs he wanted to use in cannabis was one of them for me at, uh, at the time. I couldn't do it all because a lot of it was not legal for my sports. But there are folks who fully let go, fully understood what he was doing from cannabis to ayahuasca. I was there for six weeks. I, I saw people with ALS um, literally, you know, making uh, progress. And I saw one of the biggest things that he brought up, and I, it's funny you brought that up earlier. He said some of the places where he went and got his cannabis from, it's this little village in um, South Africa. And he was saying to a lot of it, uh, cannabis, that's their only way of pleasure. You know, that's, and they know how to do it. They said, this guy, um, go to work, come home. They don't have television. He does that and they go back to his wife. And they said he had like 12, 11 kids, but to a lot of it. And he'll wake up if he wants to get going early, he'll go to a different type of place. So, the knowledge of it, the more you know, the more you understand, the more you uh, use it, the more you understand it. It's um, like having it's pregnant and it's plant. It comes from like, you know, this earth, like everything else. The Lord bless us with this beautiful place. So instead of also like make it political, let's, you know, let's take our time to our homework, put the good blood behind some of our great folks here with some of these great researchers and see what we can do with it. Absolutely. You know, in South Africa, I actually have been working with a company down there right now that's called. Afro Helios, which is is going to become one of the biggest distributors. These guys have a million acres under uh, contract right now. A million acres under contract to grow hemp and cannabis um, out of Lesotho. So you know, and cannabis is also. I know you guys remember Isaiah Thomas, right? Yeah. Isaiah's got a company out of out of uh, South America in Colombia um, that is uh, got another million acres worth of property under contract to grow and distribute cannabis out of South Africa. So, I mean, so out of South America. So it's it's all over the world. The rest of the world has led the way and understood this for years. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, when, when you, okay, so you, you came up with the brand Primitive and you started it in Michigan? Correct. Correct. And now you're in, um, what, you're in Massachusetts? Where else are you at? We're current, yeah, we're, those are the current two uh, 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 storefronts that we have right now, uh, cultivation, processing, and retail in Michigan. And then we have retail uh, currently in Massachusetts with the plan to do some more things there. Wow. And um, do you, you guys, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in mass right now also with a product line that's called Inspire. Um, I'm in about 40 dispensaries up there. I've uh, been working on this. Uh, I've been, I'm in, I've been in, in and out of the business with, products for the last 12, 13 years. Um, and Matt, but now I, I guess, what do you, what do you think? I, I, don't, I think you probably saw what just happened with, uh, it was a MasterCard this last week. What do you think about the stupidity on them? They're now going to um, pull the ability for you to be able to use a debit card for MasterCard in dispensaries. Did you see that? Yeah, I heard about, I heard about that. Um, I know in our dispensary, um, oftentimes we are, uh, we do we, we do deal cash. Um, there are a lot of dispensaries in Michigan that do deal with cash. Banks have made it a lot easier, uh, depending on what kind of safes that you have in your store. If you have a smart safe for you to have deposits uh, go straight into the bank. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's, there's always you know, technology is great when it works, and when it's not working in, in your retail store, is always an issue. So um, 
the technology still has to be hammered out. I feel like on our side, uh, when it comes to the, the devices that we use to do debit payments, that's why uh, right now cash is king. <laughs> yeah, cash has been king, which is ridiculous. I mean, have you guys thought about or are you doing any lobbying to see if you can help change some of this uh, nationally or you just staying focused on building your business? Obviously, I mean, we, we're focused on building our business. We do have contacts that have reached out to see if we would be willing. And yeah, we're willing um, to, if we, if we could use our, our platform as we've done to advocate for cannabis, and we use that same platform to advocate for uh, for laws and, and bills being passed uh, in favor of cannabis, uh, 100%. When you uh, talk to some of the, I'm sure you're still friends with several players that are still active in the league now. What is the attitude in the league right now about people? Again, is it that don't ask, don't tell, or you know when the test is coming, so just don't come in that day? I, I guys can maybe speak to a little more. I can't speak to exactly how it is now because the CBA just changed the collective bargaining agreement. They just changed and they allow. I know what they did. They allowed you to have more of it in your system. Um, but I know when we played, you know, they had this cruel rule for us: it's the tests they they could start on four twenty which is terrible between 420 and like August 9th, which is like the first week in the training camp. That's the window where you can get your test. Once you get your test within that window, you're good into that next window. So you, if you get it on 420, shoot, you're good for a whole year, but you just got to know, you know, got, you just got to know when, when, when to pull the plug on it. Gotcha. What's legal now? You don't have to worry about the test anymore. Yeah. Cause like I would imagine because so many States have it legal, even as a player, I could say, I'm so sorry. I'm a, I'm a medical cannabis rate patient. Doctor wrote me a script. Screw you! You can't tell me what to do. So the league league recognizes that for all people in those states where it's legal. It was a fight. It was it was still a fight with the others because I think it was so new. I don't know if that was um if you can do that even at that time because even I know there are certain guys who were still struggling with certain type of medicine that can enhance their brain a little bit. The league still wouldn't allow it. So um, at that time, I don't know if that was a thing. That would still so no. Well, how about right now? What do you think now? Currently, I feel like, like I say, you can still get in trouble for it, but it's like you, you, it's not like an automatic suspension or automatically put into the program. It's more like a slap on the wrist, you know, maybe a couple times, and then maybe you get it put into a program where you have to uh, maybe uh, go talk to a therapist about it, and then you get suspended. But I don't. I know it's not the, the punishment is certainly not as heavy as it is. Uh, as it was, oh, I, 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 can't, I can't see how how could the NFL do that if I live in Massachusetts and I go to see a doctor in Massachusetts. I don't care if I'm an NFL player, NBA player, firefighter. Well, some, I think firefighters can't <laughs> and police. Don't, but like in New York State, they don't test EMTs or firefighters anymore for cannabis. You sign that. You sign that NFL contract. It stays in there. You're gonna follow them rules. Gotcha. <laughs> That's your paycheck, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, every state is a little different. Now, do you guys expand, expect, uh, intend to expand to other states, or are you just gonna focus in on Michigan and and let's say uh, Massachusetts right now? Yeah, we're, we're having conversations in other states. We definitely want to expand. Um, you know, when we built this group. You know, for us, you see us, we're, we're, we're former professional athletes, you know, we put our business hats on. We'd love to continue to expand with those like-minded folks, but uh, we're open to, uh, to, to working with other folks as well as we are, like I said, having conversations in different states currently um, about, you know, doing licensing agreements and expanding um, brick and mortar. 
Do you have, are you not only producing your own brand primitive, but you are you also white labeling or are you also producing for others? Um, in Michigan, we're able to do that because uh, we started in cultivation here. Uh, and I'll let, I'll let God speak to this uh, more since he's, he is in Boston uh, currently. But um, I mean, like I said, we, we do plan to grow uh, in Boston, G. This is a conversation we've been having to a lot of it. We're looking uh, for the right partnership, but for the brand, for what we try to do for our platform, we absolutely open to it with the right folks. And that's what uh, I think Cavern brought up earlier. Uh, I've been here in Boston for a little bit more on the investor side, you know, uh, here and there. When I had an opportunity to somewhat get involved in the game, in the cannabis industry, I reached out to Cavern Riderwood to a lot of it, which you can be familiar with. It's really hard to find a good, happy medium. To a lot of folks, it's a business. To a lot of it, folks, it's a passion. But at the end of the day, it's really, really hard to find the right group, percentage group to somewhat like make it work. And if there's one thing that we saw right away with Cavern and Rock, um, they weren't like, they, they, we, they didn't come to this as business folks. They, they, but they didn't come to it as just like straight guys from um, the mountain who just here to grow marijuana. But then they fully understood their platform and they're not just talking, but they put their money behind it to somewhat uh, deliver some of the things they've been promising with proven performance. Um, when we had a chance to somewhat get involved here in Massachusetts, it was somewhat, I felt like our market, our market was extremely open for what they were trying to do, for who they were. And, um, and I like our story, our mission. And, the what we, from what we're doing um, with the plant, and you know, we're extremely grateful for our platform, who we are, where we're coming from. The fact that we have a little bit of means to enter some of these rooms, we know the amount of home this plant somewhat have left, motherless, fatherless, and um, we not we're not saying right now we can be the face of it or we have to be the face of it, but for where we are, what we can do with it, that we definitely want to use our platform to somewhat. You know, I uh, bridged uh, the, the stigma gap a little bit, help folks understand, especially our community, different work, the different part of the world, different type of communities, what this plant can do. Gotcha. So now, if people wanted to find out more about Primitive, where would they go? Give me some stats. Yeah, you go to primitive.com, uh, Primitive Group, that's Primitive without the E, primitivegroup.com. And also, uh, God's mentioned there earlier, um, in our mission statement, you know, we, we, you know, we promise to be innovative and, 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 and push, you know, this industry forward. And what we're doing with uh, nanotechnology and our new products from our topical to our rehydration drink, um, God's mission is, is similar to like a liquid IV, except for um, these are things that we use while we plan. We use a lot of rehydration uh, uh, solutions and we use a lot of topicals to help get us in and out of our day, get through those bumps and bruises. And we're able to uh, use, bring those same uh, products to market, but add cannabis to them, add the anti-inflammatory properties of cannabis. So we're able to do that uh, uh, for you internally with the ORS, the oral rehydration solution, and, and superficially with our uh, transdermal topical. Well, is this, is this because of this partnership that you got started? You got started um, with the Institute at Harvard. It's called the International Phytomedicines Institute. Is that, is that some of that, uh, some of this technology coming out of there? 100%. That's what sparked everything for us. Early on, when we first got into uh, the industry, um, we had some good friends reach out to us and, and was able to put us in a room uh, with, the, with the lovely folks at Dana-Farber and Harvard over there. And they're able to see our message and what we were doing was authentic. 
you know, and um, so we're able, I mean, we've been part of this consortium for the last five years. And like you're saying, you learn something new every day. Every time we go to one of these uh, uh, conventions, you know, mine is blown by the, by the, by the level uh, of progress that there is, but people really don't know about it. We just kind of hear about it in this, in this small forum, but the amount of progress there is behind plant medicines and cannabis in particular. Um, so that, um, you know, that was what sparked the, uh, uh, the, that in our own experiences, you know, my experience, uh, with, with cannabis, obviously I talked about it in the league, but it wasn't until after I got done playing, I, I did the dancing with the star show. I was about to quit this show in about week three or four because my ankle started. So I had chronic swelling in my ankles and knees while I was playing. And I'm like, I can't move. I can't keep up with this little girl. Like when my stuff's swelling up, and my, one of my buddies, uh, I told him I was about to quit the show. And he lived out in Cali and he's in the production um, in the film industry out there. I went to uh, Georgia Tech with him. He brought me a topical in a green glass jar with a gold cap. I used it over the next several days. I saw my swelling subside and I'm like, holy crap. You know, uh, if I like, if I ever get an opportunity, I want to get down to the science of this and figure out, you know, what it is, what is it, what is it that that, what are the healing properties of this thing? Because, you know, yeah, we're getting pumped all this, all this fake medicine with all these, not fake medicine, all these synthetic medicines with all these toxins in them. I would much rather be putting something natural into my body, but this thing is still so untapped right now. So that's why it's so exciting about the upside of uh, what we're doing here in, in, in cannabis. Now, you recently launched your primitive performance brand of products. Tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, that's what's, um, those feature the nanotechnologies. So, um, now, when you talk about nanotechnologies, it's really particle size that we're talking about. And the particle sizes are so small that they mainly bypass the intestinal system and get into the bloodstream, therefore making them more effective for the user. And they act, and then with that, they act faster. Um, and, and in contrast to a regular edible that uses distillate oils, which will take you know 45 minutes to an hour, maybe 30 minutes if you're lucky, uh, to, to onset. But uh, these products, like I said, they're near and dear to our heart, and they're just the beginning because the technology is really what we needed to be able to branch off and create a ton of uh, or a plethora of other uh, products. And oh yeah, Montel, one thing before I forget, uh, we do have a, a special we run it, Montel 20. We got a promo code Montel 20 <laughs> on uh, primitiveperformance.com. All right. Well, I'll make sure all of our listeners understand that. So you go up and get some information about primitive, uh, primitive.com and make sure if you stop in in the Massachusetts area or the Michigan area, they, they drop into one of your facilities. They can use Montel 20, Montel 420. Montel 20 on primitiveperformance.com. That's for that's for anybody that listens to your podcast, all your loyal fans. They get they got an opportunity to go online. You get, Our CBD products, you can get online. So our topical and our, and our rehydration drinks. That's what the promo code is for. Get those things online. But if you do happen to be in Michigan, we are at about 100 stores. So please uh, pick up some primitive. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. And do you now you have you have your own individual facility, own dispensary in Michigan, but you're also in 100 others or 90 something others? Correct. Yes, we're vertically integrated, but we are in 100 other stores. Yes, sir. Well, what's the what's the long term vision for primitive? Okay, just like yourself, I heard earlier you were talking about the plants. A lot of it. We understand the plant, what it can do. But to um, I think, to me, the future for me, it's in the product. You know, it's um, just to see what it can do, just like Calvin was saying earlier. The more we do with this thing, the more involved we get, the more we see what this thing can do for them, uh, especially on the athlete part of it. We so much want to stay a little bit more involved, see how we can replace some of these things that are somewhat troublesome to a lot of, to myself, a lot of my friends who were playing somewhat 
uh, you know, be, made a lot, a lot of us become a little bit more addictive. Um, uh, I definitely want to be more involved, like I was saying, uh, pre-workout, uh, the, the, the topical part of it, post-workout drinks, even stuff to sleep, the brain enhancement, but to a lot of it. We definitely want to grow our company here in Boston. We definitely want to represent the company the right way, but uh, my future, I think, in this thing more on the product, just like yourself. Gotcha. All right. Well, anything else either one of you want to add? Thank you so much for being here today. No, sure. I'll, I'll add one thing, like on, to add on to what G was saying there, man. Um, you know, we're, we we've been able to build this thing from the ground up. You know, build you know uh, a great uh, looking, uh, build great looking numbers at the end of the day. And then, like you say, we want to build up revenue to a certain point where we can, you know, entertain somebody coming in and wanting to buy our cash flow or at a but but. And in, 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 in doing all that and being able to create a business, you know, so we had to create the business in order to just to be able to create the products that we're talking about creating. So now that we're able to create those products, now it's kind of like, you know, the creative juices are starting to flow because it's like, oh, man, like what all can we do now? Like, So I'm not even you know thinking about create, building the business up to the point where we can, you know, create cash flow and, and so they entertain somebody where they, where they will want to come buy it. You know, now I'm just like, okay, well, shoot, what all can we do now? What all can we create, you know, that can, you know, help build upon people's quality of life? So, um, obviously, you know, you, you can do both things at the same time. We can chew gum and walk. So, you know, yeah. it's exciting time in front of me. Well, my friend, keep chewing gum and keep walking. And I thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Again, one more time, throw it out if anybody wanted to find out more information about you. Uh, primitivegroup.com. That's primitive without the E. And then primitiveperformance.com. Um, Montel 20 is the promo code for that one. You guys stay well, behave, take care of your families. And thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And for all of you out there, make sure you keep tuning in to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.